Hey guys, uh, welcome Hello. to another episode of Let's Talk Cloud Networking Unscripted with your host, Numan Mustafa. Uh, and obviously, John Gonzalez is not here, so I'm uh, sort of doing double duty on this one. So this is going to be our episode uh, 29. Um, and today we have some special guests uh, in our uh, in our show that we would like to welcome. It's uh, Dennis Higgins and John Smoker, both are our principal architects. Uh, who is currently at Aviatrix and very much focusing on infrastructure, the code, DevOps, uh, Kubernetes, service mesh, um, and making uh, customers in cloud networking and security environment completely automatable, integrated with the CI/CD pipeline so that you can get the business agility that your businesses are demanding from the teams. So welcome, uh, Dennis and John. Welcome to the Thanks show. Thank you. Thank uh, you. But today, yeah, so today what we uh, want to do, right, is to focus on certain customer scenarios where, you know, customers are sort of uh, in the different phases of the journey, right? There are a lot of people who started their cloud journey six years ago, five years ago, two years ago. And at that time, they probably would have started with one cloud. Uh, in many cases, uh, the, the DevOps team, they started this journey by proving things out. Uh, obviously, you know, because networking and security were more focusing on on-prem, um, they are stuck with the handling. And even now, there are a lot of customers who are mostly dominant in uh, on-prem. They're looking to move to the cloud. But DevOps, in many cases, uh, are the teams who actually prove this out for their businesses uh, that this can work, right? And then a lot of people have started their journey three years, four years ago in terms of uh, building, right? Quote-unquote, that's what CSP says, go and build. They started this uh, DIY, do-it-yourself, uh, terraforming, scripting, leveraging whatever they could find from a CSP to make the environment work. And in many cases, for a smaller uh, environments, <clears throat> when they're trying to prove things out or smaller projects, it was okay. But now when mission-critical applications are moving in, um, things are spend, expanding uh, rapidly in the cloud. There are multiple clouds now coming into the picture. <clears throat> IT team is coming to take control because obviously now businesses are looking for same level of security, visibility, advanced networking capabilities. And all, on top of that, they want to automate everything so that they can spin up, spin down the environments and move with the pace of the software. Um, and this is where a uh, lot of customers, when they get introduced to uh, AVTRIX, which is a cloud networking leader, uh, born in the cloud, um, improve things for the enterprises and let them expand and, and realize the agility they're looking for. They're asking this question that, you know, does this interfere with what I started two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, where I am now sort of terraforming or, or doing cloud formation and, you know, EV tricks in many ways make that easier, but is this a distraction or what additional value it tricks brings to my journey where I've already automated a lot of these things. Um, uh, so maybe, you know, Dennis, uh, I will start with you, right? It's a long introduction, but I wanted to set the stage for the customers who are already in this journey in AWS or Azure or GCP. They might be leveraging Terraform. They might be leveraging CloudFormation uh, specific to a cloud. But if you work with those customers and, and this is something that we deal with pretty much you know, every week is 
how do they get convinced in terms of the value of evatrix what additional value it can provide to them uh, and then you know how to incorporate that into their existing uh, workflow or existing projects that they that uh, is in in place at the moment right um, great question so I think where I want to start with this is um, the first thing that I've seen over the past couple of years with, with many large enterprise customers that I've worked with is, you know what the last thing is that always gets automated? It's the network, right? So the application stack, um, um, a lot of um, uh, automation happening there, infrastructure as code, uh, deploying through CSD pipelines. And I, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, it seems that the network is always um, kind of the last um, pillar in, in the organization that, that really gets to that point where everything is automated. So even though a lot of organizations might feel that they've got everything under control with automation, um, I still see that there's a, a difference between the application side of the house and the network side of the house oftentimes. So um, I think first thing is assess whether that is true, whether you are truly and, and completely set up to be completely automated uh, on the network side as well. Um, but then uh, even if you um, look at what is the, the value that Aviatrix brings as compared to doing it yourself through the, the native constructs, for example, and using CloudFormation, Terraform, ARN templates, um, I think uh, the first thing that I would highlight is the fact that the controller that we have in the platform already automates a whole a bunch of things without even writing code, right? So um, it is not just about infrastructure's code, writing code or automating things through, through code to begin with. There's a whole part of this automation journey that the controller already takes out of your hands right from the get-go, from um, uh, dealing with automating of routes, setting up peerings, um, uh, making your network behave dynamic, which is something that is not necessarily um, a given in cloud, making sure that routes propagate uh, dynamically, uh, failovers occur uh, dynamically if something breaks. These are things that are really hard to achieve with um, any infrastructure's code solution. So there's, there's that whole part of the solution that already makes your life easier before you even start to talk about infrastructure's code. And then yeah, I, think, I think, sorry, go ahead, John. Yeah, I think, I think what you're talking about there is, is kind of the you know, the, the, the split between dev and ops, right? Like building and automating build time is, is relatively easy, right? You can you know, automate your infrastructure, you stand it up, everything's working and that's great. Um, but, the, but the ops part is what is, you know, 100x more difficult to, to automate, right? And, and, that, and that's where the platform really, uh, it shows some value. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and then to, to add to that point, so not only the operations part, so the dynamic behavior, all of the things that I just described that the controller does, but then when you actually get to um, the value when it comes to writing um, the infrastructure uh, through code and deploying, um, what, what the controller does is it allows you to uh, actually develop that code on a much more abstract level, much more intent-based for, for lack of a better term uh, level so that you, you're not... Um, uh, thinking, should I create this route through the uh, native Terraform provider, native um, um, IAC um, uh, solution, or should I do it through Aviatrix? No, you're operating on a whole different level. And this is something that not everybody gets from the get-go. You're not writing um, code to create a route. No, you're declaring intent. I want that VPC to talk to that VNet, or um, I want the segmentation of my network on a high level to look like this. 
and whatever needs to happen, um, the controller will figure out. So you're writing your, your Terraform code on a much more abstract level, meaning that you have a much simpler code base. Um, effectively, uh, you can reuse that code across multiple clouds if you need to. Of course, that value is already there in a single cloud. Um, and it reduces the amount of code and, and thus increases the maintainability of that code tremendously. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, that just listening to you describe that makes me think about is uh, like, how, how do you route around failure? You, you can build a route, but if you need to take a different route, how, how, how does that automation look like? What kind of triggers do you have to set up to detect that and then implement infra, uh, infrastructure or new routes um, under the covers and then and then put it back once the failure clears up. It's just there's just a tremendous amount of complexity there that that you're now abstracted from, you know, with with our platform. Great. And then um, the, the additional thing that I think uh, Dennis you you alluded to right that is uh, and Dennis you uh, John you also mentioned that this is not just about day zero day one automation and configuration. Uh, the Aviatrix control plane actually provides you a consistent, always correct infrastructure where you have a proper software-defined routing platform that managing it, all the routes within the cloud, within regions, or to the on-prem world with BGP, right? And doing the translation between them and making sure that let's say you have a uh, you know quad zero route being advertised or a black hole route being advertised from a branch, then a controller sees that and basically put a block on it so that it doesn't uh, interfere with your other uh, routing um, that is happening into your environments. It's a problem. And then the other piece that's basically, uh, which I think a lot of DevOps teams and networking team appreciates is the level of uh, visibility that it brings, right? The, in terms of uh, the data plane uh, visibility. So maybe you, do you want to uh, share some, some knowledge on that? Well, I can I can speak to some personal experience just around um, because that's what you know that's what the uh, uh, Aviatrix platform does. Like you you can do it yourself, but then you know when you need that security and that visibility, um, how, how do you get that uh, on on top of what you've already built? Um, and you know just speaking from when I was a customer, that's that's exactly why we brought Aviatrix into the shop. We, we had built pipelines to deploy all of our, our networks. Um, and we didn't want to upset that, that automation, you know, that was important to us. Um, but we also wanted that security and visibility. Um, and it was, you know, very trivially trivial for us to take the Aviatrix platform and the, and, and the automation um, that you can achieve there and just kind of plug it in to what we already had, you know, those, those pipelines that we already had and just replace native construct code with the Aviatrix Terraform provider code, just kind of almost swap that out one for one in some instances. Um, and then that do it, do it yourself wasn't, you know, we weren't throwing that completely away. That was, you know, still there. We were just able to kind of seamlessly put the platform in place and achieve those use cases that were important to us, the security and visibility. That's, that's, that's a great point. And I think this actually is a good segue, right? So. So now let's say you, you assume that, okay, as you, as John, you were in the situation where you started three, four years ago, you started building things, uh, improving things out. You have everything working, right? Uh, with Terraform or with CloudFormation. Uh, now you saw the benefit, right? You, you 
were proactive and uh, you saw the benefit of having the security and visibility part added to what you built with and then you took that step now in many cases right where people who are building this they may see they may not say that but they may see that this is this could be a distraction for meeting my project timelines right or how i am going to convince my manager about this right because i just spend xyz more dollar and you know even though if it tricks makes it better is it something i should be doing now so in that case you know uh, how how do you basically see that evitrix helping these people uh, with that transition uh, is do you consider this is a distraction do you think it's good for the business uh, what would be your take on that yeah i guess you know it's it's funny when i hear, when i hear the word distraction i i'm, I'm thinking that that's what I had before I, I brought Aviatrix into in-house, right? Like mm. I had, I had, I had built things um, and, and I like building things uh, and I had built tools for visibility and I like, um, you know, that's kind of on the, you know, you've got the dev side of building things. You've got the op side of building tools for visibility and, and, you know, helping teams be productive. But then there's this other side of ops, which is trying to figure out, what's going wrong when things go wrong. Um, and, and that's always a distraction. You know, you're, you're doing your building, you're, you're, you're having a, you know, you're, you're enjoying your job and then somebody's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Hey, this is broken. Uh, mm. Forget all of that stuff. Come over here and figure this out. And that's when you're, you know, you're trying to uh, look through flow logs or trying to correlate, you know, errors that you see in, in logging over here with errors that you see in logging over there and try and troubleshoot things end to end. You know, to me, that was always the distraction. Uh, so bringing Aviatrix platform, you know, and 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 giving us a better visibility and giving us visibility that we could, um, you know, extend across the org. Like, you know, in in like previously in in a lot of cases, as as a central DevOps team member, I was the only one who who had access to the visibility. But with Aviatrix platform, you can provide visibility to, you know, your end users. So they have their own visibility. Uh, so, you know, they can tap themselves on the shoulder instead of uh, distracting you from what you're doing. I think well, that's a very important point, actually. So we, we I talked to a lot of customers and they asked me, can I do some self-service for deployment, right? Can I get the Aviatrix solution to integrate an AWS service catalog? Or can I tie this to Morpheus or some other tool where... I can have my developers deploy their own infrastructure, but I think what you touched there is the self-service operations part, right? Troubleshooting. And, and that's, that's I see a lot of customers struggle with this, that simple issues like um, and misconfigured NSG, that, that's a simple thing to troubleshoot. That application owner might not have access to that NSG because that's sitting in a different subscription. So they cannot figure it out themselves. They are um, uh, trying to deliver their application because they're 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 always on a deadline, right? Um, and they now have to rely on someone else to to solve the issue for them. And when they put in a ticket on a first level help desk support, they're not getting an answer. They need that layer three engine. They need you, John, to to go in and have a look like what's going on. And and it just doesn't scale, right? You don't have time. Or that that small DevOps team that is automating um, the infrastructure doesn't have time to look at these these what should be really trivial requests. So um, enabling that self service to the organization for troubleshooting and, and visibility, I think that is a, a missing link in a lot of uh, organizations. That's, that's yeah, and I, th I think the other important point there is you know what what is the cost of that time? 
when you're when you're spending that time doing you know troubleshooting and uh you know trying to figure out what problems there are like what are what are you not doing um you're not making things better right you're not improving uh your your build or application side of things you're spending all of this time on the, on the operations and then there's certainly a cost to that that's great that's a good point and i think if if i look at this right so uh, I think CSP has done a, a tremendous job in terms of ensuring that they prove to the world that they can actually manage customers' applications, their business critical workloads, and do it effectively. Uh, and that's why I think people and enterprises are moving like a herd towards uh, cloud, right? And they're vacating their data centers, they're seeing the value. Early on, it was more like science projects to prove things out. DevOps did a tremendous job in making sure that, yes, it can be done. They proved it out. They proved it out to the businesses. And now what's happening is, okay, you know, now I'm early on, it was maybe, you know, dev and test type of workloads. Now it's mission critical. If even you have a downtime of, you know, with minutes, you can have, you know, millions and millions of, uh, you know, revenue loss or upset customers. Now, when that happens, right, DevOps says, hey, this is not my job. You know, if you are asking me that it's, it's a networking issue, it's a security issue, it's a firewalling issue, why are you coming to me? I'm not supposed to be doing all of this. You know, I did this terraforming and I did this uh, build. And now let's say down somewhere in the infrastructure, you have a firewall issue, configuration issue, network issue, uh, routing issue, right? This is not what my expertise are, right? So naturally what's happening is that these teams are coming together, security team, networking team, they are getting matured in the cloud, right? We do a lot of work in terms of making sure that they get matured and they get trained through our A certification programs. But these things are now coming together with the DevOps team, right? And they are becoming more like a cloud team. Right? The cloud team, uh, uh, they have multiple names that we see all, all around. Now, from a leadership perspective, right? The, from a leadership perspective, they're sort of managing these different teams. It's their job to make sure that these teams start to work together, right? And they are learning from each other. DevOps guys are sort of uh, relying on networking and security team, and they are relying on the DevOps team to make this work for the business. Right. So um, what would be um, your advice to these leaders, right? These are, you know, directors and vice VPs of infrastructure who are managing these environments on how to, can they create this environment of trust where, you know, in, in teamwork where they can all work together and then remove this black box. Because sometimes if you only focus on the dev part, as you were saying, John, earlier, and you remove the op, ops part, then it's only one or two. The knowledge is only one with one or two people. And you don't know what's underneath those scripts that you have written. So in a way you are creating a black box where the operations team is not aware. And then when there's an issue, either you are getting to worry about these issues or, you know, you basically uh, are dealing with downtime, right? Because your networking team, operations team, security team are not confident in what's being built. So from a uh, IT leader perspective, how would you tackle this? How would you incentivize people to come around and, and work to, as one team? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And kind of what we're describing is instead of each of these teams having their own little sandbox and 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 access to um, this each each part of this you know holistic uh, system, um, you're you're producing uh, tools and 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 patterns and and access that's available to to everyone. So it's a, they're all aware, they're all involved, uh, and and collaborating on on that level. 
Um, and, and that, you know, what's, what's good for the organization is also good for the, um, uh, the individuals as well, because you don't have that, that, that person who can't take vacation because they're so critical to, uh, you know, it's just the, the day-to-day, uh, operations, uh, of, uh, you know, the, the business. And so, um, you know, the aviatrix platform, you know, provides that, uh, you know, that, 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 that tool that, uh, that you can, um, use cross teams, uh, to be able to do your end-to-end troubleshooting across the network. That's great. Uh, all right. So I think, um, that is, you know, <clears throat> let's come back to this, another question, right. Where, you know, um, I think so multi-cloud networking and multi-cloud uh, security and networking or secure cloud networking is, is becoming a category of its own, right? It's becoming um, a quadrant of its own. Um, now, obviously, I think multi-cloud and cloud networking at some point, multi-cloud will just become a given uh, a phenomenon of cloud networking, right? So nobody will be saying multi-cloud. It will be a given that, yes, when you have a cloud network, or when you have a cloud environment, it actually encompasses any cloud you want because custom businesses wants to be able to shop for best of breed services or, or leverage uh, the CSP that's most favorable to them, both either from a cost perspective, from a relationship perspective, from a customer service perspective, like almost like a 5G. And if you are a service provider, and if you deliver 5G, I can go to AT&T, I can go to Verizon, I can go to T-Mobile, I can have the same service. And the way I pick you as a service provider will be dependent on other things. So in many cases, you know, but, you know, when customers starts, they may start with a single cloud, right? They maybe have AWS, maybe Azure. Um, and in many cases, they ask this question that, is Avatrix only for people who are in multiple clouds? Or can I use Avatrix even if I am in single region, single cloud? And how does it help me? And what would be the advice? Should we should we start early or should we wait till we become multi-cloud? So what would be your take on that? Yeah, that's great. And actually, I had that question from a customer uh, before. They, they were very small in cloud and they felt we were talking to them like way too early, right? They're like, we're not there in our journey yet. And I said, well, how are you going to fix this when you're um, a year, two years down the road and you've got all this um, infrastructure spun up and how are you going to fix it then, right? You're going to um, retrofit this um, and they were like yeah you're right this this is going to um, be much easier if we embed this early on so I would say if you can embed it early on but don't be afraid to um, uh, bring it in um, as, as John um, mentioned he did previously uh, later on if you already have quite a, a decent footprint um, and I, I think what you just said about multi-cloud being or becoming um, rapidly the de facto standard I think do you hear anyone talking about hybrid cloud anymore? I mean, a couple of years ago, you heard everybody talk about hybrid cloud, right? We've got some in the on-prem and we've got some in cloud. That's a given now. And, and that's exactly right what you mentioned. That's going to happen to um, uh, multi-cloud as well. That's going to be a given because you might choose for a single cloud, but what I've seen over and over uh, again is multi-cloud is not a choice. It's something that happens to you more often than not. Um, so you either have to deal with mergers and acquisitions or your business unit that's building an application happens to have a certain skill set that's in a different cloud or you need, a, I don't know, specific capability from Google and you're in AWS. Well, you're going to be multi-cloud very rapidly before you even realize um, uh, that you that you have to onboard a second cloud. Your application may already be building there. 
Um, so, but to come back to your original question, um, what if what if I am single cloud? And what if I look at a tool or a platform like Aviatrix and um, the, the value um, in single cloud, I would say it's absolutely there. I think we just touched upon a couple of those points, the simplification of automation, all the things that the controller already does for you, um, the visibility, the troubleshooting, all of that is valid in a single cloud, right? You don't have to be a multi-cloud to have um, or to, to obtain value from all of these capabilities. And then I think the bonus uh, point that you get if you choose to do that in a single cloud is even if you think you're going to be single cloud the rest of your life, whenever that second cloud pops around, you're going to be ready. So that's a, that's a huge advantage because you've already taken the steps to um, automate your processes around Aviatrix, meaning that your automation carries over to these other clouds. So um, yeah, I would definitely say if you're single cloud, even if you're small, it makes sense. Yeah, even even when you're single cloud, you know, we talked about um, uh, collaboration amongst teams. Like you're not often a uh, single account. Everyone has all, all the same access, right? You're 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 spread out in, and segmented in your um, in in you know who has access to what. So when you when you have a platform that allows you to give visibility across even just um, even just accounts in the single cloud. Um, and, and to be able to troubleshoot things end to end instead of, oh, well, I only have access to this account. I can only see things within this boundary. You know, there's there's still value there. It's great. So it, it, I guess it's basically, uh, you know, the advice is that, you know, plan for future, even if you uh, take baby steps in, in your cloud journey and, and you take small step, but plan for future in terms of how it will become holistic in the future. And I mean, that's the reason why I think Aviatrix, uh, many of the customers actually are in single cloud and they are enjoying the benefit of what Aviatrix provides. Uh, because I think the sooner that you start, the the easier your cloud journey becomes. And let's say um, if you get a request to add additional regions or additional clouds or connectivity to a partner, if you're a SaaS provider, let's say, everything is now available as part of the platform. You're not trying to create silo design patterns. You're not trying to create separate work for your operations team and architecture team. It just becomes a very easy extension of what you build. And the, and the foundation that you lay out is continue to give you the benefits that uh, that otherwise will be very hard for you because you are now single-threaded, you are split-brain scenario, you're looking at things uh, project by project. And then now gover uh, governance comes in, the compliance comes in, the risks around security comes in because now everything is fractured. So it's very important. In fact, I would suggest that it's, easier and better to start small and leverage we start leveraging Aviatrix from early on. Um, even though currently, I think most of our customers are brownfield, but that probably is the best way to do it is to start early. And the other benefit that I see is the amount of um, experience in all the clouds that Aviatrix has in terms of the guidance, right? In terms of guiding your cloud journey, in terms of black belts from Azure, black belts from AWS, black belts from GCP, because customers are, are, are sort of looking for prescriptive guidance. They want people to handhold them towards the journey until their teams gets properly matured and skilled um, in the cloud. They're looking for guidance. And I think not normally what happens is if you're stuck with one cloud provider or one partner, they will only tell you what they know of, right? So it's not that they don't want to tell you about Azure or GCP or other clouds. It's just that they do not know. AWS, is AWS GCP is GCP. Even the black belts that we work with, they hardly know anything outside of what the cloud has to offer. And normally in many cases, enterprises look for what's in it for them. Where is their value? 
right? So, and as, as you're seeing that all the clouds are maturing, um, all the clouds wants to shop around, all the enterprises are, are mature, uh, want to shop around with different CSPs because that's, they will go wherever is the benefit for them. So I think it's um, pretty apparent. Uh, and I think it's a good advice to start early, even if your environment is small, even if you're in a single cloud, uh, it's all about cloud networking architecture, right? Which basically then will help you expand uh, easily in the future. Now, coming to that, right? So, uh, you know, Dennis uh, and uh, John, right? So from perspective of skill set, uh, I know that we have ACE IAC infrastructure code module, uh, uh, which you guys uh, played a key part in, in developing. Do you want to share some uh, something to our audience in terms of, let's say if I'm a networking team, a security team, I'm not very familiar with these concepts and it's becoming pivotal that in the cloud, especially you are familiar with these concepts, even though you, nobody's asking you to become an expert and start coding every day. It's very, very important that you understand that this is a foundational pillar of anything that we do in the cloud because it's directly proportional to the agility. So anything you want to talk about what ASIAC does and who it targets. And if I have not done any coding before, you know, where would it take me uh, in terms of my understanding? Yeah, I would go back to the point I made earlier. Uh, what is the last thing that typically gets automated um, in the organization? Um, uh, organization-wide or, or specifically in cloud, it's the network, right? And it's not because um, these teams don't want to attain those skills. They want to, but it's not always an easy journey. The um, materials that you'll find are often around the application space, and it's great that you learn how to build um, a web server through infrastructure's code, but that's not really what you're looking for. So although the fundamentals are, are transferable, um, a lot of the specifics are hard to, um, to get from uh, the materials that are out there generally. So I think what we uh, actually achieve pretty well with um, ACE in general and ACE IAC in specific, specifically is tailor this towards the network engineer um, or, or the network uh, practitioner to um, explain how they can leverage these um, uh, tools, these pr procedures, processes to their advantage in their domain and, and not the other way around where they have to figure out how to do this um, based on um, uh, an adjacent domain where they have to attain that knowledge. Um, and I'm sure John has ideas about this as well. And I was just going to give a give a plug to uh, HashiCorp's Terraform because I mean obviously we're we're a big proponent, um, but uh, you know even even if you do just get started and and learn that that platform, um, it's it's a really good demonstration of how you can uh, you know develop doesn't even have to be networking but just develop patterns of infrastructure deployment that uh, are cloud agnostic. I mean, you can develop the same patterns and implementations and it'll work uh, AWS, Azure, Google, you know, where, wherever you are. Um, and, and that's just a, a mirror of what Aviatrix is. Um, it, it's the same thing. You develop the pattern and it, it applies to wherever you happen to be running those workloads. That's great. And I think I've heard some really great uh, feedback about ISIC. It's just a four-hour module, I think, two-hour, four-hour module. But all of the networking security folks, we have not done any automation. They go into the cl class and they feel, they, they come out very confident, comfortable, understanding the CICD concepts, the GitHub, the Terraform, all the different type of terminologies and tools that are available out there. And they just, and I think the, the key part is that you guys let them do an exercise where now they're able to build a Terraform uh, uh, code 
and be able to deploy and spin up networks. And this actually helps them understand the entire workflow and what the benefit and what does actually agility means when we say, okay, move the speed of software, what does it actually mean? Right? So it's a, it's a great, uh, I would say module that every networking security person should go and even the operations people should go and attend that for sure. Anyways, Absolutely. I think we are, uh, we are, we are almost uh, time here. I think the normally, you know, what I want to leave people or what you want to leave people with is one key takeaway. So let's say if they forget everything that <laughs> so far that what we've been talking about, but they should, they should walk away with one take, key takeaway. And especially from the perspective of this infrastructure as a code, DevOps teams, networking team. So maybe John, you, you want to give one takeaway, takeaway and Dennis, you, maybe you, you are able to do another one. Yeah, I was going to say for, for me, it's, it's security and visibility and the, uh, you know, when, when you, when you empower your teams to have those things that they can, that, that, that just, uh, frees them up, right. To do, uh, when, when you make that easy, it frees them up to do the things that, uh, they and the business wants them to be doing, which is, uh, building and optimizing and, and improving, you know, business applications. That's awesome. Dennis. Yeah, I would I would say biggest or the, the key takeaway that I would um, like people to leave with is make sure that you you widen um, the access in the organization to um, uh, be enabled to deploy and, and maintain the environment. Right? Don't be dependent on that one guy that built all this because I I, I don't like to think about the analogy of uh, running across the bus, but I will always like to say, what if this guy wins the lottery? Um, uh, and you can say, well, it's forbidden to play the lottery in my organization, but you know that that you're always at risk to, le- to lose um, that key team member, especially in a very high demand market as it is right now, right? They're throwing money at the problem and, and you might be at risk of, of losing your top guy or your few top guys there. So. So that is my key takeaway. I would uh, like to leave people with: make sure that you um, cover this um, not only from uh, from an angle of um, individuals, but also build a platform to be maintained and managed by a larger team. That's great, great advice. Um, yeah, I think I mean, if someone wins the lottery, then you know that's uh, <laughs> you know maybe something that you know is uh, is is an exception. Um, but yeah, I think as you, as you guys said, that this is something that. Uh, I always say that, you know, if you are a true professional, if you're a true professional, if you're a true uh, high caliber uh, cloud architect, uh, DevOps architect, then the way you would do things is, uh, is, you know, if you leave tomorrow, your business will not suffer. Your operations team will not suffer. Your security will not suffer. And that will be the testament of how good of a job you have done. But if you ask this question today that, you know, if I leave today, and everything will be a mess tomorrow. And I've, I've seen that actually with customers where actually, in fact, two of the guys left on the same week to went to the same competitor and their, their director, their you know, VP was completely blown away because he had nobody to take care of the environment. Right. So, um, you know, that's what I think being a technology champion means that you are this high caliber professional who build things so that, you know, if you leave, let's say tomorrow, uh, you're not worried about your job security, but you're worried about making sure that your business is up, right? your SLAs are being maintained and you're the promise that you have given to your customers is being met. This is what the true testament of being a true, true champion to professional. So thank you guys for, for sharing some excellent feedback. Uh, it's very hard to find people with your skill set, to be honest, right? I, I'm, we have been in this now three, four, five years and the way you have, um, you know, sort of advanced your skill set in terms of providing 
um, this uh, this IEC capabilities to different businesses and helping them on how to automate and how to optimize and get the agility that they need is amazing. And it's very, very good to see that you are able to share your experiences. I'm sure that people can even reach out and, and get your advice. And we do it for all, for all of our customers all the time. But reach out to Dennis, reach out to John Smoker. They're on LinkedIn in case you need some advice on how do you should be doing this um, uh, IAC piece of your cloud journey. Uh, we are here to help. And uh, for sure, Avitrix can definitely play a key role in this uh, journey. Thank you, guys. Thank you.